Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi and welcome to Two Pints of Maggots and a Packet of Hooks, the fishing podcast. Welcome to the very, very latest edition where we, of course, will be looking at the press pack, having a dive into the tackle shed and, of course, having the big chat. And this big chat is a very, very special one. We will be talking to the inaugural winner of the biggest prize in match fishing history of £100,000. The winner was Zach Brown, and he's going to tell us all about that famous, famous win. So without further ado, let's begin with the press pack. So welcome to the press pack. This is the area where we look at the printed press, whether it be the monthlies in Improve Your Course Fishing Magazine or Match Fishing Magazine. We also have a think about what's been going on on social media. And we also look at the weekly press in the form of Angling Times also. For me, on a personal front, it's been a really, really busy month. We've, of course, had the last few uh, episodes of the podcast. We've had a Riverfest special. We've also spoken to England Assistant Manager Darren Bickerton before those guys headed out to Italy. Um, For me, um, personally as well, I've managed to do my level one angling trust coaching badge, fished a couple of matches. I've been away to the Norfolk Broads on holiday, did a little bit of a a video over there and and, and chilled out for a week. So, yeah, it's been all go. And, And to be honest, the weather's been really, really nice. The only challenge, of course, that we've had from a running water perspective is that we certainly need some uh, some fresh rain to go into our rivers uh, in my neck of the woods. Um, I had a little drive recently to my local river with them and I've never seen anything like it in my life. It's the, the river itself from sort of Tattershall area, which used to be Kirkstead Bridge, so a very, very famous match area back in the day, um, is just completely full of weed. And it's, a, I believe it's an invasive weed, um, which made the river look more akin to a, a dirty field than an actual river. There's no flow. Um, they're struggling to get rid of this stuff. So, yeah, I don't know what impacts that will have on the fish, but it all comes down to, to an element of over-abstraction out of the river, invasive weed species, and, of course, a, a lack of fresh water pushing pushing it through. So certainly any designs I had to get down on the river and uh, target some of the big bream shoals and the, and the tension perch, etc. there, um, I'm going to have to put that off, I think. And so we've had a couple of frosts which kill off that weed and uh, hope for a little bit of fresh water in there. So there we are. So anyway, let's have a little look and uh, and get cracking then with the magazines for the monthly press. Kicking off with Improve Your Course Fishing magazine. And this is issue 381, so that's 21st of September to October the 19th. And straight in with the first big feature, which I found very interesting, um, was by Hadrian Whittle. 
and he's targeting um, Chlandegfed Reservoir, which is in Monmouthshire, uh, well known for a pike fishing over the years um obviously where there's pike there's coarse fish as well um and when you look at this this lake is sort of 400 acres so a massive expanse of water and the title of the um, article actually is pick a fish filled peg every time now if you were targeting a water of that expanse some people would really not know where to start so how do we know how to pick a fish filled peg if you like and that's the purpose of this of this article really um he makes um his rig as simple as possible he puts together a relatively simple uh, sweet fish meal based ground bait mix he's fishing a feeder so just really nice and it takes me back as a kid you know when i was younger i used to fish a lot of the cheshire mears um and when you look at these venues, uh, these big, great expanses of water, big reservoirs in the northwest as well, where I used to fish, and you just don't really know how to begin. And and, and that's the whole idea of, of this article, as I say. It's a um, good one. He's got half a dozen bream or so, a couple of hybrids. So if you are uh, tempted to go and attack a great big reservoir, why not? There's some good tips in here from Hadrian. Uh, but a little bit further in, a decent article from Kaylee Smith. She's targeting one of the Yorkshire canals and the title of this article again is Treat Canal Fish to a Feast. And it's talking about going through the card really with various ground baits and, and, and baits, you know, pinkies, hemp, etc. And what I quite like uh, what they've done here is they've almost put the uh, a picture of a swim into into different zones, where to kick off, where to go, where to feed. And, you know, on these big Yorkshire canals, they're not really your typical winding canals that you might have in the Midlands of, you know, perhaps sort of 11, 12 metres wide. There's a lot more to go at, a lot more water to play with, which means you can be a lot more aggressive with your feeding as well. And Kaylee proves that in this article too. Uh, final thing in this issue, I guess we can go towards the back, is old Bob Roberts' diary. I do enjoy reading these, but uh, quite interestingly, this one, <laughs> I got into a bit of a Facebook spat uh, with Bob recently, and, and really it comes down to linking in a little segue into social media, I guess. One of the biggest things that has been circulating around and lots of comments was around a recent um match catch of about i think it was over 800 pounds some crazy crazy weight up at the angel of the north fisheries um up towards you know the northeast there and of course lots of people have various opinions on this and, and, and my personal opinion on these type of weights is um it's not for me um i certainly wouldn't have the energy or the stamina to try and put together a weight of fish like that um, but each to their own, and I do believe there's a massive amount of skill involved to, to put together a weight like that. Now, of course, everybody, every knocker and their gran comes out on social media and, you know, it's not fishing and this is, you know, what would the anti-anglers think of this and, and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I sort of get it, but um, I think it was, a, it was a comment that Bob made on his Facebook and I took exception to it where he was basically knocking commercials in general. So I challenged him by saying that, we you know, if for me, if it wasn't for commercial fisheries uh, in the early 90s, then fishing wouldn't be where it is today. Certainly the tackle industry wouldn't, that is for sure. And I'm sure his sponsor, uh, as in Daiwa, would agree with me that uh, their sales uh, for commercial tackle is uh, way, way, way outstrips any, any natural fishing. Now, I do both. So I, I'm, I'm on the fence with this. I love fishing rivers, canals. I'll fish anywhere. But I also like my commercial fishing as well. 
So I, I can see both sides of the coin. But for me, there's a lot of sanctimony knocking about at the minute. And I do think it's divisive. I don't really like it when somebody comes out and says, you know, it's not fishing or, you know, somebody that's caught two pound on a roach. It's, I've been guilty myself. It's, it's proper fishing. What I mean by that, is it proper fishing that takes me back to my youth? It's how I grew up. It's, you know, it's what I've learned. But to say that it's proper fishing as in uh, it supersedes any other style of fishing is it's not for me. Anyway, Bob replied and we had a little bit of a spat and I think we agreed to disagree at the end, which is fine. And that's what it's all about. I guess the only thing I would say around those weights is in terms of this particular venue, go on uh, the website of, of that fishery, Angel of the North Fisheries, and look at the rules. And you'll see that the owners uh, take their fish care extremely responsibly. Um, and I'm led to believe, actually, that initially the owner of that lake was um, pretty sort of anti-angling, uh, very much an eco-warrior, if you like. And that was the basis of the rules is to fish welfare all, all the way and well i won't go into it any further but take a look at the rules and you can see just how well kept those, those fish are so that is uh, improve your course fishing now jumping into match fishing magazine so match fishing magazine september edition i really like this edition because they're, they're you know very much something for everybody um kicking off really with the, the first article from a, from a tactical point of view that that I really enjoyed. Our good old friend Darren Cox, page 24. Uh, he approaches, a, a, sticking with the theme, I guess, of these big open waters, but he um, attempts to fish a, a big reservoir. It's called Snitterfield down in Warwickshire. He talks about uh, the depth finders. That's the name of the, uh, of the article. He's talking about where to fish on a slope uh, for different species of fish. There's a lot of cruise and carp in here, um, a lot of roach, skimmers, things like that. But what's interesting as well is that this reservoir is utilised um, for its water. So the, the depth can go up as well as down quite rapidly. So it's really important where to look. You know, no two matches would be the same, I guess. Lovely net fish, you know, cruisians, one of my favourite fish, that's for sure. Um, and talks, talks you through the, the thought process of approaching a swim like that, which is very, very good. Um, then, of course, we've got another good friend of ours, good old Nick Speed, um, tackling the Trent, the mighty Trent, which is, you know, certainly got to be my favourite river at the moment. I've, I've not spent anywhere near as much time as I'd like this year on there. I've only, I've only had a couple of sessions. And he, what he's done here is he's approaching um, just around the, the Cromwell area. So you're talking about the tidal area, um, approaching Barbel. And I liked this article because... Barbel fishing on the Trent at the minute, because the um, the lack of rain has made it so low and clear, it's pretty much a no-go in the daytime at the minute. A lot of anglers are struggling. So what Nick talks you through here is how to approach Barbel. Absolutely, you would be in the day if it was a match. Um, though Using those natural baits, you know, kicking off with bunches of maggots on the hook, talking about the length of that, you know, that tail, talking about what he puts through the feeder, and of course, he, he puts a couple of, of lovely fish together also. So it was food for thought for me because I'd pretty much written off attempting to fish for barbel now until we do start getting the autumn rains and, and a bit of colour in there. And um, But actually, if I do attempt to fish the river and it is low and it is clear and it's it's not quite, doesn't look very barbel-ish, if you like, then I can take Nick's advice and try some of those simple uh, tips to, to attempt to extract a few. So... A cracker. Um, some of the fish that he catches well are, are lovely, especially on on what we would class as match tackle. 
And then last but not least, keeping with the Trent theme um, on page 86, we're back to the Trent again, but this time around Gunthorpe uh, with Rob Perkins, very much, um, you know, a, a, a Trent expert, that is for sure. And what he's doing is targeting uh, various fish on a maggot feeder. And it's possibly um, one of the most underused tactics for, I guess, for small fish on the river. We'd all be tempted to fish a pole, um, a whip maybe. Waggler stick flow, etc. But maggot feeder um, for the smaller fish certainly works wonders, and he demonstrates that with a with a mixed bag of you know dace, perch, skimmers, etc., etc. So again, if you're thinking about heading down to the Trent, is perhaps a little bit low and clear at the minute, but you want a mixed bag, then perhaps the maggot feeder is an option for you as well. So they're the two monthly printed press. Let's have a little look at Angling Times. I've had a little look then at um, some of the most recent angling times and, and a couple of those things that have really stood out in the magazine was, uh, first of all, it says UK freshwater fisheries generate £1.7 billion. Uh, calls for water to be given added protection after new report reveals the huge economic benefits of angling. Um, this is looking at a wide range of, of sales and statistics, um, but pretty much sort of around £400 million of that is on tackle around 225 million on bait and around 172 million on day tickets. Um, the report also states that a million anglers enjoy our waterways on a total of 17 million angling days each year. Uh, really, really interesting stuff and, and how they've, they've generated those stats and facts gives a compelling argument really as to how important angling is for, for not only the economy, but we all know about our mental health and, and all the rest of it. So, so yeah, we were straight in there with uh, with those stats and facts pretty much as a, as a headline um, report in uh, Angling Times. That was September 21st. Another one, of course, from, uh, from that week was the England lads came back from the World Championships in Italy. They claimed bronze, which is fantastic. Um, it's the same venue where Alan Scotton won one of his numerous World Championship medals, the River Mincio. Really, really good. A new look side, if you wish. Um, I guess a couple of youngsters in there mixing with experience. And, and nobody let the team down. Um, very, very difficult to compete with the Italians on home soil. But, you know, we did very, very well. It's a great achievement with such, such young anglers also. So brilliant. Moving on to the match scene of Angling Times as well. Actually makes quite a good change to, to get stuck into the match section of, of the magazine. The only problem, I guess, with the printed press now is the immediacy of the information. You know, these results, scores and information is online pretty much when the final hooter goes. And, and of course, with printed press, the guys have got to wait, get the information in and, until, uh, until it goes on sale. So... Yeah, we, we pretty much all knew straight away that Stu Fotheringham had won the Golden Reel title and netting himself a nice 50 grand. Absolutely. That was at Larford Lakes, of course. He beat Andy Bennett in second place. Um, but of course, this one was in the paper on the 21st of September, but the match was, was quite some time before. So that immediacy, is, you know, it's just missing nowadays with the printed press. And I guess they've got to think of a way of, of capturing the social media and, the, and that instant nature of information getting out there. Uh, Angling Time Super Cup. So that's where, um, of course, you've got various uh, non-sponsored teams, tackle shop teams, club teams, uh, pit their wits against each other. I've fished a few of those over the years. They're always good fun. Bit of a mixture. You've got Barston Lakes and Meadowlands with 15 teams in the final. And the teams that ran out winners were Stainforth Angling. So there you go. It's a northern team there, comes out on top. 
uh, down in the Midlands. So good, well done to them. Brilliant, well done to Stu Fotheringham as well. Also reporting on the Division 2 National, which was early September, again, immediately a little bit behind, but there's actually a, a good overview here of, of what they did because you've got the interview with, with Paul Hughes, the, the winning captain. I don't think he was very well as well on that match, I read somewhere. Uh, but it's Saints that have won it. Just say Paul Hughes, former England international, is the captain of the Saints. Saints over the years have been you know, a wonderful side. Uh, back in the day, I always remember them as Octoplus Saints, for those of you old enough to remember. Um, you know, they've won Winter Leagues on the Trent Embankment and they've had a really solid team for years and years. Um, but they've obviously now jumped back into the national fold and uh, they've come out on top down on the Gloucester Canal. It's a long, long way from the northwest where the Saints are based. So they've done very, very well. They've put their time in um, and they've come out on top and will be, of course, promoted to Division 1 next year. And they can be uh, up against those uh, real big teams again, uh, which is where the Saints belong, I think, with with such a great pedigree. Um, but yeah, done, done really, really well. Uh, the individual result, of course, is always worth looking at. Uh, so that was, let me find this, Andy Jane, census lobby tackle. And he's had 24 kilos, 480. So what's that in old money? About sort of £54. So, Bream, as always, make up those big weights in general on, on a national. So, yeah, good stuff. Um, and then there's a couple of other bits in, but again, a bit more detail on on England finishing third. So, Angling Times-wise, um, catches have been really interesting. It seems to be just made up a great big barble um, in the latest editions. There's one or two big Bream in there as well. Um, <laughs> You know, it's the usual sort of thing when it comes to big fish. There was one, though, that did stand out. Let me find that. It is on page number eight. Yeah, page eight. A three pound, three ounce cruisian. And the reason why this stood out for me is because of all the, I guess, the controversy around uh, hybridization, F1s, common cap, king cap, yada, yada, yada. And it's, it's quite a tough one to, to sort of fathom out, if you like. But this certainly looks like a... a, a a real cruisian, if you like. When you're fishing an eight mil pellet uh, on a waggler and it sinks underneath and you've got this three pound, three ounce cruisian, well, that's a day to remember, isn't it? That is for sure. So that's uh, what caught my eye from the uh, the catch section. So following on then from that match scene piece, it's now time to talk about the biggest prize in match fishing, which has been the recent final uh, from the Fishing Association, and that is a £100,000 prize, which is supersedes anything in the past. And uh, the winner, of course, was Zach Brown. So I think now is the time to have the big chat. For all your fishing needs, be sure to check out Fishing Evolution. Boasting two floors of branded displays, visit our recently expanded superstore at Hadley Road in Sleaford where we offer a huge range of tackle from all of the leading course and cart brands, such as Nash, Fox, Corda, Drennan, Preston, Guru, Daiwa, and many, many more. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram, where we share all of the latest news and updates about products available in store. Hi, and welcome to The Big Chat. And on this episode, we've got a very, very special occasion because we've just had the biggest prize in match fishing has gone ahead. It's done and dusted the inaugural Fishing Association Cup. And joining me on the big chat today is Preston Innovations and Sonia Bates backed serial big finalist and the winner of 
the FA Cup. It is Mr. Zach Brown. How are you, sir? Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. Yeah, not bad at all, mate. Thank you for joining me. I bet the uh, bet your keep nets haven't even dried since last weekend, have they? And uh, have you, has, it, has it sunk in yet? To be honest, it's been like Sunday was basically spent sort of thinking, blimey, have I actually just won that? <laughs> yeah. And um, then it's been straight back to work. And work is just hectic, flat out all the time anyway. So... It's just, yeah, to be honest, I've not even really had time to to think about it or, you know, it's just been chaos. I know, mate. And that's, do you know what? It's actually quite refreshing in some respects. Um, when we were trying to set this up and it was like, you know, I was between work, you was between work. You know, you're not a full-time angler. You are a, a normal bloke. Who's who's out and about doing his job and trying to fit in his his fishing in, and it's just weird, isn't it? It's like yeah, um, it's quite refreshing, really. I mean, it's tough, isn't it? Like you know, I, I don't know about you, but I've got young family as well, so you know, work, young family, fishing, yeah. um, it's just forever flat out. But um, <laughs> it's wouldn't have any other way to be fair. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, like I say, thanks for joining me. It's a massive, massive well done. It's a huge achievement. Um, you are no stranger to these big money finals. Obviously, a former match this winner as well. Uh, Fisher Mania finalist this year. Was it your first year in the Fisher final this year? That's the first Fisher final, yeah. 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 I thought so. I thought so. And we can talk about that sort of stuff later on. But obviously, I mean, why I wanted to grab Aldi and have this this big chat was all around the Fishing Association and, and just purely because it, it's just the prize money's, you know, it's never been seen before in the sport. So it's it's great. But we'll get to that. Um, I don't know if you know, I don't know if you've ever heard any of these shows before, but I have a bit of a theme and we call it past, present and future. So... I think I want to delve into your past a little bit. I mean, you're a relatively young guy, um, younger than me, that is for sure. You said you've got a young family as well. So when I say past, actually, it's probably not that too far ago in, in my mind's eye. But I read somewhere that you started fishing with your, was it your old man or was it your granddad out sea fishing? Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So my granddad used to have a like a yacht, a boat um, that we used to go to the Isle of Wight on. Yeah. And... One day, for some reason, my granddad decided to get uh, the fishing rod out that he keeps on the back of the boat. <laughs> and um, we'd done a bit of spinning and we caught some mackerel. And then I managed to catch this bass. I don't know, it must have been four or five pound, sensible one. Yeah. And, um, you know, my granddad was like, oh, great, we'll have that for dinner. And Did you eat it? Yeah. No, well, we put him in the sink and we were going to eat him. And he kept flapping about in the sink and I, I didn't have the heart in the end. I ended up throwing <laughs> him back in the end. Lovely. But um, yeah, so that sort of gave me the bug for fishing. And uh, from there, my dad took me down to the local river, the River Mole. Mm-hmm. And we, we joined the Dorking Club there. And um, that was sort of how it started, really. And did you then sort of, when you join a club, so there's a bit of a, there's definitely a theme throughout these these chats. And a lot of these top anglers that go down, it's, there's one route or another. Somebody like an Andy Bennett, um, Harry Bignall, who we've had on before, they were straight in. They were straight into the Opens. They weren't messing about, the, you know, a group of mates. Um, but then a lot of people 
myself included, went down the club route. So is that what happened with you? Someone take you under your wing and then, you know, start learning ropes from the lads in the club? Well, as I say, when I first started fishing junior matches, I was probably eight or nine. Yeah, that's young. So, you know, I was never going to go and fish an open match at the age of eight or nine. No. So um, it was was like the junior matches. Once a month, there was a junior match on the river. Um, At that time, a lot of the anglers that were fishing for Dawkin, like your Steve Gardner's and your Steve Saunders's and uh, lads like that, um, they had boys their own boys in the juniors as well. Yeah. So like, you know, but when I was fishing matches, I was fishing against Michael Saunders who oh, went on to England yeah. and, yeah. you know, like I always, I was a bit younger than them, five years younger than them. So always sort of aspired to, to get to their sort of level, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and that's what really pushed me on when I was a junior. Is it one of them where, um, did you, did your old man fish or was it just granddad? No, ne- to be honest, neither of them really were, were fishermen. Um, mm. It's just my granddad had a, a fishing rod on the boat and it just so happened that, you know, we caught some fish and um, my dad only really got into it because I'd taken an interest in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, whereas a lot of the other juniors as well, you know, their dads were fishermen and, and all that. I was I was completely starting at the bottom. I, you know, I didn't even know the basics. I didn't have anyone to teach me the basics. Yeah, you're on the back foot straight away, aren't exactly, you? So did, yeah. What did you do? Did somebody sort of? Did they have little lessons or in the club? Yeah, or did you... well, they had they had a couple of guys in the who were running the junior section in the Dawkins Club. Uh, Andy Wadey and another guy called Ray. I forget his surname, but they were really good. Like you know. They'd have teachings, and when you were fishing the matches, they'd come along, and and I suppose a, a lot of it was down to Andy because one match he said to me, all I could catch was minnows on the river, hmm. and he said yeah. to me, if you catch two hundred minnows or something, um, you'll get a trophy at the end of the at the end of the season on the, you know, on the prize giving. Yeah, and uh, sure enough, I got I. I got me 200 minnows and I got this trophy and I was made up and, you know, that's, that was probably, I suppose, what gave me the bug for it. That kicks you on, doesn't it? Yeah, it's like, yeah. you know, I'm the same, me. I, when, I, when I was a junior, I wasn't bothered about pride. They used to do, um, obviously, because you can't go, you can't really go in the pools as such and stuff. So they used to give you like tackle vouchers, you know, for the local right. shit. I wasn't bothered about them. I just wanted a trophy at the end of the year, yeah, my yeah. name on it. That's all I was bothered about. So, yeah, I, I get that sort of, that encouragement. Do you still see this guy, Andy? Is he still fish? Yeah, he doesn't fish so much, but um, he contacts me regularly on Facebook and we, you know, we chat about the old days and that quite regularly, yeah. That's brilliant. No, that's really nice. Yeah. That's good. I, I think that's important as well, sort of rem- remembering those that, that give you a leg up. That's great. Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. No, fantastic. That, that scene, that now... It's an interesting one, and I hold my hands up, me. I've I, I've tried and tried. I think I, we sort of discussed this as we were setting this day up. But uh, southern anglers, 
right? I, I try to get people on and it's it's few and far between. It's like when I was a kid and I think of the southern scene, the, the, the canals around London, the Regent's Canal, yeah. uh, Grand Union Canal, they, they were massive. Dave Vincent, people like this, you know, they were all the sort of the top boys, Essex County, the Vandenheim yeah. team there. When I was a lad growing up, that, that they were the, you know, these were the teams you wanted to aspire to. Dorking, obviously your team. Um, but what is the state of the match fishing scene in the south now i mean my understanding is that it, there's a lot of tons and tons of carp anglers specimen anglers syndicate waters um but maybe that scene as it used to be has gone a little bit flat what's your opinion on that yeah to be honest the match scene isn't what it used to be i mean when i when i was 14 i think i fished my first winter league maybe younger 13 Hmm. And at that time, it was like 15 teams of 10. You know, yeah. it was a massive winter league. That was the Surrey Winter League. Yeah. And used to go and fish uh, the Grand Union Canal at West Drayton. And to be honest, the fishing was terrible. Hmm. You know, it'd be Bloodworm and Joker fishing. You'd be fishing for 10 or 20 perch. Crystal you know, clear. Hmm. Yeah, crystal clear. And just, it was terrible. But there was 150 blokes on the bank. Yeah. And, you know... Keen as keen as anything, whereas now the Surrey Winter League doesn't even exist. It it petered out till there was about three or four teams left. Yeah, and Dawkins, my team, moved over to the Kent Winter League, and that slowly but surely petered out. Um, they're still going, but they've only got about six six or seven teams in it. Yeah, and. We joined the Avon Valley Winter League, which is a really good winter league. Um, so you had to go west, basically, to yeah, try and compete. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but again, this year it's gone from 10 anglers to 8 anglers a team. There's still 9 or 10 teams, but obviously you've you've lost 20 anglers through, uh, through, the, through the actual team numbers drop in, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but there's why do you think it is i honestly don't know there seems to be a lot of club matches and a lot of anglers who are happy to be the big fish in the little pond maybe yeah yeah. Yeah, i get that yeah Uh, uh, and not so many club matches uh not not so many opens Mm -hmm. is it cost you know we know that the cost of living down south is more expensive and i i think I go back to 20 years ago when I, I, I fished Gold Valley a few times back then on a yeah. couple of qualifiers and bits and pieces. And 20 years ago, it was 11 quid a day then. I, yeah. I don't know what it is nowadays for a day ticket. So if we're talking about day ticket, then your pool's on top. And by the time you've bought, whether it be fishery pellets, a couple of bags of ground bait, you know, couple of pints of maggots are we talking about 50 quid before we've even started would that put people off uh, possibly but then you know you're going to pay that if you go and fish a club match yeah yeah, um, yeah. um i mean i don't think day tickets have risen dramatically uh, you know I, I think we were paying 20 pound pools 15 20 years ago yeah whereas now you're probably only paying 25 you know it's not like they're the, the pool's money itself has gone through the roof. Um, mm. 
granted, bait and stuff is a bit more expensive than it ever was. You know, especially down this way. I mean, we pay up to five pounds for a pint of casters down this no, way. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. whereas up, you know, once you get past the Midlands and that, it's sort of three pound, two pound fifty, and all sorts. Yeah. But I, I, I would be able to put it? my finger on it and say, no. you know, this is the reason why as good. Yeah. Uh, traffic could be another one. Um, yeah. you know, getting to places, parking, especially on the natural venues. I, there's so many variables. It just seems that when I think back, like I say, 15, 20 years ago, and that scene was was bouncing. And um, yeah, so I guess there's that many variables in terms of, of why matches have gone downhill a little bit in, in your region. But so anyway, back to where you were in terms of your development. So getting into team fishing, you just mentioned there 150 peggers on at West Drayton and whatnot. Where, where did it lead to from there? So obviously, I, I've sort of got to the age where I was able to fish the winter leagues and yeah. I was helping out in Casey Angling a little bit that Steve Saunders owned at the time. Yeah. And I got asked to fish a winter league. Someone was short for a winter league. I think it was a team called Weybridge and it was at West Drayton. And I think to be honest, they just had a couple of anglers that didn't want to go because they knew it was going to be rubbish. <laughs> yeah, and, no, uh, didn't fancy it. Uh, yeah. Got asked to fill in sort of at the last minute and, jumped at the chance to do that um i fished with waybridge for a year or two mm -hmm. and then i joined a club called banstead yeah they were normally the runners up to dorking every year yeah my old mate keith arthur i've, I've had all the old stories of banstead back in the yeah. day sure, yeah. yeah you had banstead the you know you had kenny collins and uh, Tommy Hillier and a lot of well-known anglers went through Banstead before they sort of hit Dawkin. Yeah. And I spent a long time with Banstead. It, you know, I had some brilliant days there. Um, fished my first Winter League final with Banstead. I was going to say, any any highlights? That would be a big highlight, fishing the yeah. final. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, fished my first Winter League final with Banstead. I can't remember where that was. It couldn't have been that good because I'd have remembered if I caught anything. <laughs> yeah, it was probably the <laughs> Trent Embankment in the middle yeah, of November or something. It was a big flooded river somewhere, and I, I know I caught a bream and I lost a big fish, but I can't remember where it was for the life of me. But I must have done all right because I caught a bream, so it couldn't have been that bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then after Banstead, I got asked to join. Preston Innovations Delcac, uh, and that was, you know, like a bit of a bit of a jump because they were the best team, but in the Kent Winter League. So it was a case of up in sticks and moving from the Surrey Winter League, which I knew really well, yeah, over to Kent, and it was new venues and new anglers and new faces. The second year there. I think I only dropped one point. I fished every round and only dropped wow. one point throughout the whole series. Crikey, Mr. Reliable. Yeah, sort of landed on my feet quite nicely at, at Delcac. Um, I managed to I come second in a Winter League final at Thursday Lakes with Delcac. Mm -hmm. 
And we also came second as a team on that same venue. And then a few years later, year before I joined Dorking, we were second at Lindholm in the Winter League final. And I actually won the day that day as well. But, That's um, not, not bad, is it? It's a bit of a drive up to Lindholm and yeah. uh, never seen the place, had you? No, no, never even been. And I, I drew on Benny's when it had literally just been filled in with these tiny little F1s. Yeah, yeah. I caught 80 kilos of these tiny little F1 shallow. It was lovely days fishing. Yeah, team fishing was really, for me, it's, it's where it's at. Is, really is it still that? Is, is that yeah. still your, your thing? Yeah. My, my, one of the biggest things on my list is to win a Winter League final as a mm-hmm. team. Yeah, yeah. And um, What about a national? Yeah, again, a national, it's got for a me pin. now, a national is so alien to the fishing. Don't get me wrong, I've always done a lot of different fishing, but um, I don't think I'd have the time and the effort to to be able to make the team for a national team now. I mean, we've got such a strong canal and river uh section in Dawkin, you know, you'd have to really set the world on fire to to sneak in that team. So do they see you as now more of a commercial type angler or a winter angler? Or how how do Dawkin look at you when they're choosing their their team Uh, team members then? I think they probably look at me as a bit of a commercial angler. Hmm. But, you know, I've our winter league is uh, the Kennet and Avon Canal. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a round at Gold, there's the Basingstoke Canal, and then there's the Way Navigation Canal. It's a nice so, little mixed bag, isn't it? Yeah, so it's like lots of canals and some don't move. The Way Navigation sort of runs a bit like a river. Um, yeah. So like, there's lots of different fishing and I really enjoy it. And to be honest, I normally fish every round of that. Yeah. Um, Fantastic. Well, that, when will that be starting? About around now? It's actually the first round on Sunday. Oh, where you at? Uh, we're at Gold. Yeah. But personally, I'm not fishing this week. Okay. I've um I've had like an extension done on the house and bits and pieces. So what with Fisho and <laughs> yeah, Fishing no. Association and all that, like it's taken up so much time. I need to put a bit of time and effort into spending some time with the family and sorting this bloody extension out. Yeah, no, no. well, at least you, you're going to have the dough to, to sort of pay for it. Yeah. On anyway, so that's one thing. That's really interesting. That takes me back. I, I love doing these because as these episodes sort of grow and develop, um, I can refer back to other ones and, and I can – I always – when I started these these big chats as part of the podcast, I always wanted to try and understand the mindset of a, of a top angler, whether it be – natural international commercial whatever it didn't matter of a course yeah, angler. Yeah. and what you've just told me relates back to one not too long ago with lee right and okay, he yeah. is exactly his mindset just like us he, yeah the 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 individual glory is great but actually team fishing is where it's at and yeah. he is exactly he loves it he loves the fact that you go for a pint afterwards he loves the fact that you know you can um share that knowledge and and sort of 
enjoy seeing your mates do well. Yeah, and, and I get it. It's all. It's just. It's really interesting because it's not. It's not a mindset, and for two youngish lads as well. To be fair, to have that mindset's really positive because a lot of people now it is a very sort of solitary game. They are in it for themselves, I guess, in some respects. So refreshing. I love it. Um, but let's think a little bit then about the whole commercial stuff. So obviously, winning a match this final is is huge. Um, again, good money, good prestige. When did he decide that he was going to start? sort of attacking these qualifiers as a campaign if you like uh to be honest i i wouldn't actually just had a thought sorry i don't not mean to interrupt i've just had a thought you are a former uk champ as well i mean yeah so now that's of a a, (laughs) that's not bad bad prestige so for the listeners that that are unsure of, of how the uk champs work first of all have a listen to the to the podcast we did with Harry Bignall because he talks through his campaign last year but um, this is over sort of four rounds some of the most well-known venues in the UK whether it be Glee, Barston etc and of course it's on points and this is against a pretty elite group of anglers so was that before you started uh, targeting these big qualifiers or was that during? The first one was the Maven match this right and to be honest, it was it was only the third year it would run, mm-hmm. so it wasn't really it wasn't really at the forefront of of what I was doing. If you know what I mean. It, so it who was, we, who've we got before? We've got Les and Andy Power, Les Thompson and Andy Power. Yeah, yeah, okay. And we used to fish the odd Fishermania qualifier and bits and pieces down our way. Mm-hmm. But really, we didn't do the travelling that we do now. Yeah. So it just so happened that there was a Fishermania, uh, not a Fishermania, a Maver match list at Monk Lakes. And me and Pete Upperton and one of our other mates, Robbie Taylor, mm-hmm. all just said, oh, we, you know, we'll have a go at it. You know, just nothing else to do, really. We've been going to monks a lot. We've been doing well, and um, just so happened that on the day I won it, and yeah. and obviously that led to the final, <laughs> and I was lucky enough to go on and win that as well. Same and, thing though, isn't it? It's like Larford. Have you had you ever even seen the place? Not un- not until we went there for a bit of a practice. Yeah, yeah. So. I think I'd probably been there once or twice, but we'd only fished the Specy Lake ever before. Mm. Um, then, obviously, qualified for the Maver, and we went up and we had a bit of a go at it and a bit of a practice. But it was, you know, it's carp fishing. We it's, we do so much carp fishing down in the south. There's no there's no F one venues really. Like there is no. once you get past tunnel barn it seems like everywhere's you know just full of f1s that's right no it is mate yeah i agree we don't we don't have that down here you know Mm. we've got big cart venues so so when we got there it it was quite refreshing to see that you know you can win this by catching big carp in the edge and Mm -hmm. uh we're quite good at doing that yeah so you know on the day i got lucky i drew the drew the right peg and Caught some big carp in the edge. 
<laughs> it sounds that it makes it sound that easy. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so did that sort of wet your whistle then? And you thought because, like you said, like Maver sort of yeah, it's a new event. I've you know I'll give it a go. We've got one on monks, and it was sort of bit you know just sort of fell fell into it and yeah. just happened to win it. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. But then onwards, um, you're like, whoa, I've got a bit of a taste of this now. Exactly that. Exactly that. So mm. then me and Robbie decided we were going to have a go at the UK champs and it was probably the fourth or fifth year that we'd done it before I won it. Mm. Um, but we had a couple of close calls, you know, like Robbie was one fish short of winning it one year. Oh. And I was, I think I was second or third one year going into Barston, the last round. And I drew terrible. I drew about peg four or five or something silly like that. Mm -hmm. And you're in a section with all the good pegs in the teens. And that was the end of that. Yeah. Um, But that that one was, you know, that's the one that really gave me the buzz for it. Yeah. Um, Because I had, you know, you you see yourself on telly and and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I was lucky enough to come second in one of the rounds and when you've got the, the cameras coming around and they're filming you and you, you do get a bit of a buzz out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think as well, when I think about the champs and on the bank, you know, Andy and Rob and all the rest of it, 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 it does give a real, um, I mean, obviously Fisher Mania is, is like the, the one as well, but it yeah. gives that real professional polished feel to these, yeah, it does. To these sort of yeah, events yeah. as well yeah so yeah. I'm, not, I'm not surprised that you sort of I, I imagine it's a bit addictive in a way yeah you, you certainly when you win one mm. you definitely want to win another one yeah you know you know it it, it certainly makes you chase it a little bit more and well, um, let, let me ask you a question then about um I think I've asked every one of the guests that have been in a major final or something similar, the mindset that you have to have to, to sort of go, because I genuinely think, and I've said this to Harry, I, I think I'd shit myself. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I think I'd be that nervous. Just don't think I could cope. I think cameras, all the rest of it, I think I'd genuinely sort of crumble. Um, so what do you do? Is it just become second nature? Is it just another match? Is it just blank everything out and do your own thing? What, how do you, how do you prepare your mind for these big finals? To be honest, I'm so laid back. My my wife calls me soulless. <laughs> um, Brilliant. I, yeah, I'm so laid back. I just, you know, I just sort of go with the flow. And don't get me wrong, that first, the first match this final, obviously mm. the draw was the night before. And yeah. I'd drawn the M peg. So I, I slept, but I woke up at about two o'clock in the morning and I was awake for a couple of hours, you know. Excited. Yeah, just excited and thinking about, oh, I've drawn, you know, I've drawn the best peg. What am I, you know, what am I going to do? I was running myself through the match. and But once you've fished one and I don't know, maybe it helps that when you win one, Mm. you kind of, you know what you, you know what to expect. Yeah. Um, and, And you know what's around the corner. So it, it sort of takes the edge off the the nerves and the and anticipation. I think it's anticipation more than anything, you know. Like yeah. 
you want to get started and you you want to be on the bank and but yeah once, you, once you've been there once you've you know fished some experience, big experience isn't it yeah it's experience you know like That's anything what... i'm sure ronaldo was nervous in his first couple of games for man united or whatever but once he was 10 15 games in it was it was just second nature yeah yeah no i yeah i get it i just well i wonder then let's um let's come up to a bit more sort of modern times um and let's compare some of the the competition so uh i guess uk champs massively well established i guess though yeah. the only difference with uk champs is that you've got that tv footage and and that is is a relatively recent thing yeah um Maybe match this, like you say, at the time that you won it. Yep, I get it. I know what you mean. Because I think, you know, it was such a new concept. And I, I don't know whether everybody thought it would take take off. But now it's well established as one of those, you know, biggies. Same with, I guess, like Golden Reel. And, and you know, all of them are becoming part of that season match calendar. Yeah. So let's talk about Fisher Mania compared to the other the other two we'll get to fishing association in a bit but let's talk about those these traditional competitions how was your experience of fisher mania this year versus those other big matches in the past uh they're they're very different in the respect that it, everything's just on a much bigger scale fishing you know, like yeah you know like um they want everybody to have the same clothing on. They want, you know, they're, they're trying to make it look very professional on mm. for the telly. Yeah. Um, I, I, they seem to have taken a lot of stick about the TV coverage and some yeah. of it I can understand. But I think they also have to understand that it's not just going out to, to fishermen. Correct. Yeah, you know, I think they from from what I'm told, they get a lot of you know just general people who walk down the street who watch this pro who watch it for one reason or another. I don't know why, but um, so I suppose they're trying to explain it for for them as well. Um, but the whole buzz around Fishermania seems to be a bit different to everything else. That's interesting. Um, in what in what respect? I don't know. I don't know if it's just the fact it it's you know the 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 long running event. It's been going what twenty five odd years, twenty six years, something like that. And it's always been on telly. And it's I, I think it's been the one that, or it's probably still the one that. If someone asked you, you know, what one of the big four would you like to win? I think Fishermania would still be the one that people would pick. Would what would you say? I'd still definitely like to win Fishermania. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. That it's a different buzz, a different vibe. Yeah, it's, it's more just... polished. It's they're trying to make it professional. Everything's in. You're right. In layman's terms, um, I guess the sheer volume of the, um, the amount of cameras on the bank as well is different. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, this year, obviously, I drew between Jamie Hughes and Andy May. And obviously they draw a crowd anyway, just because of yeah. who they are. Yeah. And, you know, you sat there at the beginning of the match with five minutes to go and sort of worst thing I did was peer around my shoulder. And, you know, you realize all of a sudden you've got hundreds and hundreds of people stood behind you, not 
not there watching me, but watching Andy and, and Jamie. And uh, it, it sort of gives you a feeling as to how big the event actually is. I mean, when you look at just the sheer number of people that turn up to watch Fishermania. I think it was about 7,000 this year. Yeah. It, you know, it's a lot of people. It's mad when you think of it like that, isn't it? I mean, that's like, um, <laughs> that's more than the local football team down the road who's in League One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I t- it's really interesting. Well, well, let's think about, let's move on to, so we've established you want your name on that trophy and fair, fair play. I think, I agree. I think it's the pinnacle Fishermania out of all the big ones. It's, you know, that or I think if you're a natural, I think Riverfest has got a real, um, I yeah, think that's got a lot to it now. I think it really, the money might not be there yet. I, mean, it's, I think it's 14, I think John picked up. Which right. ain't bad. It's not a bad day's work, is it? Fourteen grand, but right. I think that might only sort of grow. But I think I think if you're a natural angler, I think it's Riverfest. I think if you're a you know a commercial angler or a, or a bit, someone does a bit of everything, Fishermania for sure. But no, it's really interesting. Okay, well, fishing associate. Fo- uh, I was going to say football association. The <laughs> FA. It's a good name, isn't it? It's yeah. Can't believe anyone's never thought of it before. Fishing association. The FA. Um, totally different format. Totally new, um, just really interesting sort of concept. You know, I know for a fact that these sort of ideas have been banded around in the past and never sort of taken off because I guess it's just a case of trying to get the support and get it up and running and and all the rest of it. How did you find the format? Did you like it? Did you like the knockouts? What was you thinking about the competition? To be honest, I've been up and down throughout the whole competition. some aspects I think are really good. Some aspects can be a bit frustrating. Um, but it's the nature of the competition. So, you know, if, if you decide that you're going to fish it, you, you, you've just got to sort of go with what the rules are and what people, you know, go with the flow really and do what you've got to do. Well, um, which bits frustrated you? Is it Was it the part when you have to move out of your, your region? No, the bits that kind of frustrated me a little bit were um, you had to give three weekends to fish the match. Ah, right. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, that's great. But it for someone like me, I can only go once a weekend. Obviously, I've got young family and other commitments and stuff like that. So fishing really is a once a weekend for me. Yeah, same here. Absolutely. So if I... So I wanted to book up a Fishermania and a Golden Reel. Mm. If somebody decided that they wanted to take me on a fishing association match on one of those two weekends, for example, I, I either had to drop out of one mm. or or lose the try and get rid of the ticket or that was the only that was the only thing for me. It kind of tied up the whole the whole summer. You know could what that I mean? Be, could that be manipulated? So if you're the, the person that's choosing the venue on yeah, the weekend yeah. and you know, so like say like me, I'm just a club angler, mate. You know, I fish the odd open. But yeah, maybe yeah. I fancy having a go at something like this. And I drew, who would be big around my area? I don't know. Let's say I drew, you know, somebody that I know fishes, qualifies a lot. Could I look at the calendar and think, ah, he's probably fishing that that weekend. So I'm going to choose that weekend. Yes. 
Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Never thought yeah. of it like that. But yeah, so because you've just highlighted perhaps you've got two qualifiers out of three weekends. So it'd be yeah, easy just yeah. to sort of choose those two because you think, ah, Zach, he's bound to be on Fisho yeah, that yeah. weekend. Yeah, hmm. yeah, yeah. Never thought of that. That's interesting. Okay. Other far, you know, I think that's half of the fun and games that Steve was after because I think Steve wants everybody to be involved in it. Mm. Um, whether you're a top end match angler or, you know, a lower end club angler who does a few opens, uh, you know, there was, there was definitely anglers there that had reached a final who were probably not the best anglers in their, you know, in their region. Yeah. And, you know, fair play to them. They, mm -hmm. they knocked people out along the way and they, they made the final. I think there's one thing about um, just fishing in match fishing in general, and you know we've covered this loads on all these chats with with everybody from the old school to the to the younger lads like yourself, and that is anybody can win on the day in the right conditions. You know, most people can catch fish. It's just who can catch fish more than everybody else. And it's just on the day. And I, I think that's the magic, really, of match fish. You know, I could go and my hero, Bob Nudd. You know, I mean, I could go and fish down at Spalding and in, in, in the, on in the winter and draw next yeah, to the fella yeah. and beat him. You know, yeah, on, yeah. on the right day. Yeah, and that, yeah, you just can't beat it. You know, that sort of feeling. It's fantastic. So I get that. I like that. Can't like you say it could could just be if you if you run with, roll with the punches and you expect it because in some ways you could just turn around and say, well, it's not my problem that you've got Fishermania and, and match this tickets booked up. So no, exa exactly that. Exactly that. Mm. Exactly that. Yeah. That's interesting. So, okay, a few frustrations with the with the with the concepts and what have you. But yeah. overall, you think for the first one, the, for an inaugural, it's you know it's got legs. Obviously, oh you know? definitely. I mean, um, Steve, Steve's done a brilliant job. To be honest, the final was brilliant. Yeah. Um, you know, he's the good thing about Steve is he he's happy to admit where he'd gone wrong and things that he knows he can do better next time and you know it when you've got an open mind like that the the competition's only ever going to get better yeah i mean I'll, I'll be completely honest about the, the competition for me is that i think it, it needs polishing um some of the you know some of the feeds that he did and 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 stuff you know the draws and whatnot probably just need being a little bit more professional and whatnot but that's a yeah. case of just it it needs to grow it needs to i guess when you cast your mind back to the first match this when when probably phil put that together um yeah you know there would have been teething problems there would have been lessons learned and, and like you say i think like anything in in your professional life if you can take feedback on and run with it and and improve then it will only grow and get better exactly that exactly that what did you think to woodlands as a as a final venue um i thought it was pretty good to be fair like um, another one you've never been i guess yeah no never been there i mean <laughs> woodlands on a good run is five hours from my house absolutely mate yeah it's a trekker and me so. yeah <laughs> you know on a bad run it's seven or eight um, but yeah, uh, I mean, uh, luckily again, I mean, me and Mark Goddard, uh, the Dawkins team captain, we both qualified yeah, and we managed to get up there for three days for, for a practice. Mm -hmm. Um, we went on the Friday 
Saturday and the Sunday. There was a festival on on the Friday, so we had a bit of a watch and sort of saw what people were up, were up to a little bit and locals got a feel well, for it. Yeah, watched some of the locals, watched yeah. Craig, the owner, uh, sit on Partridge Peg 2 and catch a load. And then we fished the Saturday and the Sunday. Um, but for us, it was lucky because it's very much like Monk Lakes. I was going to say, did it remind you of anywhere that you'd been before? Yeah, very much like Monk Lakes. Big fish, mm-hmm. clever fish, been in there a long time. Um, but, you know, you catch them the same dobbing. Yeah. Um, short fishing down the edge. Bit of paste fishing, bit of, you know, there was fish to be caught on really whatever you wanted to do. Just whatever you're confident in, I guess. Yeah, exactly that. So in terms of the the actual final, it's quite interesting because I, if I remember rightly, I read you a um, bit of an overview. You wasn't really going anywhere, to be fair. Um, for what? The first couple of hours? And then like many commercials, and again, just like we said before about, you know, anybody can beat anybody on the day given the conditions and whatnot, like so many matches, that edge comes alive. Yeah. So take us to that actual match and sort of where was your head at, say, halfway through? Halfway through, um, I was probably sat there thinking, this edge needs to come good. <laughs> um, How many times have we all said that? I said, I'm not catching the edge, I'm that good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um Obviously, I'd only I'd caught nothing in the first hour. I caught four carp in the second hour. Then the third hour, I caught two on a method up the bank, and I'd lost one on a method. Wow. And there was like two and a half hours to go. Yeah. And to be honest, I fed my edge earlier than I was going to because I was going nowhere. Yeah. Um, so I fed the edge and I caught five in 20 minutes fishing up the edge. What was your, and what was your mix? What did you put in? So I fished chunky fish, Sonny baits, chunky fish, ground bait up the edge with, when we went up and watched Craig Kent on the Friday, it was apparent that they loved maggots. Mm-hmm. They just seemed to love maggots. Deads or alive? Deads, deads in the edge I fished. Yeah. Um, but lots of maggots in your ground bait seem to be important. Um, so I fed four pots there. Left it five minutes. Had another chuck on the method. No bites. Dropped in the edge and I caught five, five in twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. And then it sort of it went a bit funny, and I sort of sat there and thought, right, I need to feed some more bait. So I fed another two pots. And I thought, let's just have a look on this line straight out where I'd been feeding live maggots quite heavily. Yeah. And it hit the bottom and went straight under. And this is your, what you'd call like a two plus two line, like bottom of the near shelf. Yeah, well, two plus one. So a top kit and a fourth section. And um, it was just rigid there, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, You know, and it was... Sort of flick the switch into beast mode and um, (laughs) 
it's got as it? many fish in the net as quickly as possible. Well, speaking of that, is this? I think this is a bit of a southern thing as well. Somebody said to me about. Um, I can't remember the exact figure, but they said they'd watched you and you'd, you'd put a fish. I don't know, it, was, it was so much stupid, like 12 seconds or whatever. Um, but I, I remember watching Will Raisin on a, um, I think it was a Fishing Mania final, actually, at Cudmore once. And he netted a fish. It was something like from hooking it to, to in the net. I'm sorry, like an eight, nine pound carp. It was yeah. something like seven seconds. And I think part of the reason why, and I think you do something similar, is that you land in the fish I can't explain it. I have to bring a fish to the surface, mate, so I can see it. But there's a technique of landing these fish under the water. Yeah. And I think that's partly to do with it as well. So this this beast mode, I think it's uh, it must be one. Of, it must be a docking thing. <laughs> uh, I think, I'm certainly not as good anywhere near as good as it as Will is. It's unreal, um, isn't it? I've never yeah, seen anything like it. Yeah. But um, it's like anything, isn't it? The, the more the more you catch, sort of. The, the quicker and the the more efficient you become at netting them, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, crazy. So what do you, weight-wise, you think you put in that last hour and a half? Pretty much the uh, lion's share of your 200 pounds, I guess. Pretty much the whole lot. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I probably had 40 pounds going into the last two hours and 20 minutes. Yeah. So, so yeah. what's that then? 160-odd pounds in? yeah. In an hour and a half, so it just goes to show. I, I, this, if we're all going to pull lessons from these conversations and these big matches, it's you know, don't give up, do something different. Yeah, you know, I mean, Lee Wright again, another lesson he said he learned from Ivan Marks years ago. If your match is going nowhere, do something stupid. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, you've something. always got to give yourself a chance to win. Hmm. You know, and I'm, I'm a strong believer in. You know, if you if you're fishing a canal, and you're never going to catch that big bonus perch or that big bonus bream if you don't fish for it. You know, and it's it's similar on the commercials. You're never going to catch two hundred pound in the last hour and a half unless you fish for them. Mm-hmm. So you know, what about team orders? What do you ever get? Um, there's a big difference there between an in, you know trying to go for glory as an individual. And as a team, like you say, winter league, where you've, you know, you've got to get that eight hundred grams or whatever it might be. You still yeah, always playing no. in that bonus line, yeah? Oh, without doubt, without yeah. doubt. You, you know, if you can catch that eight hundred grams with one fish, you know why why mess around trying to um, catch lots of little ones? Yeah, no, I'm to, with you. I like it. I said to my yeah. mate the other day about. Um, you know, trying pellet lines and things that might be slightly different on the local canal that, that's not been done before because you never know. No, uh, no you know, that's like it. Throwaway line. You, you've only got to do it once and it works. And, yeah. um, you know, you sort of set the trend, don't you? Before you know it, everyone's going to the canal fishing micros and, mm. and expanders. And, you know, some canals near us where there's lots of tension, lots of bream, and every now and again someone catches 60 or 70 pound of them and you know it's not because they've gone there and fed six casters they've gone there and fished for it yeah it's crazy yeah they've not put a little toss pot in if they have a few no. <laughs> brilliant yeah no that's right fantastic 
Well, that's uh, that gives a good overview there. I think you know, you give us a good idea of the mindset of, of how that big match went. Um, obviously, you'll be defending it. Uh, you know, trying to defend next year. I guess you don't get a buy. I don't know if Steve said anything about that. I guess yeah, you've got what, a few people have mentioned it. I'm not actually sure. Well, I don't. I don't think Fisher has this year. I don't. I don't have to ask Harry, but I don't think he's got. You know, like Andy Bennett got a yeah. I don't think I'd have to ask Harry and find out, but I'm sure he hasn't got a buy in it. So I think he's got to qualify again. Right. I'm not sure. Yeah. Mm, see, I, I wish that's one thing I wish they would do. You know, if if they're going to give people a buy, then it should be a buy every year. Yeah. Whereas it sort of seems like sort of a bit made up as they go along. Yeah, it's got to be. Cause I might have. I don't know. I'd have to check. I don't think he knew at the time when I last spoke to him. So yeah, yeah. Surely you would know within. You should know on the day. Um, You'd like to think so. Yeah. yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, maybe you'll find out. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure. I know he's. They're in the process of fishing association. They, they want to get up and running again, ASAP, and and sort that out and and maybe make some tweaks, like you say. Now there was a bit of a rumor about payments about that you've got to wait for a payment. Is that true or not? How's that panning out? Yeah, I do have to wait for it. You know, there's talk about, oh, this and that and blah, blah, blah. But I signed something very similar for Fisho. Mm. So I, I don't think it's anything to worry about. Or to worry about or out of the ordinary. As I say, I signed something very similar to Fisho. Um, you know, if I was worried about it, I wouldn't have signed it in the first place. Yeah, no, of course. No, it's just it's the it's the the social media mill, isn't it? You know, you read. Yeah. Stuff, but I might yeah. even you know what, mate? I might even have a little chance my arm myself next year. Yeah, you should do it. I mean, you never know. You've only got to have the uh, the luck of the draw go your way, and yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's true. I'll look into it. I might, I might just have a little nobble. You never know. Yeah. It's a really interesting concept. The knockout piece. I wonder. Do you think it would work from a team's level? Possibly. Um, or pairs, I think, something like yeah, that. Yeah, pairs or, or teams of three or something like that, I think, would work. Mm. Um, I don't know how it would work with, within a match because, obviously, at the moment, you're you're fishing against head-to-head within a match, aren't you? Within a match, yeah. You'd so have, you'd to, have, have to have, have three versus three or whatever. Yeah, you'd have to have... I don't know. Well, what, what I'm thinking of, why, yeah, what I'm thinking of, why it's just come to my mind is that for the club anglers, for a few of them I fished in the past. So the Angling Times, they run like, it's called the Super Cup. And yeah. um, it's the way that sort of works is you, you could have potentially three or four teams draw against each other in a knockout. Yeah. And then it sort of works its way down and then they have a big final. I think that was it's usually on Barston as well. Um, yeah, that's yeah. a really good competition from from a team's perspective. There's teams yeah. of six, so it's not too. too yeah, big. to be fair, we, I fished that one year. In between, I think I was in between uh, Weybridge and Banstead, mm. and I fished it with a team called Meat Bashers at the time. Great name. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we got to the final. The final was at JCB Lakes, I think. Oh, it's Stoke. Time. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. How did you get on on that? Um, I was on a little canal lake. I think I was second or third on my lake from memory. But, it's um, good. It's a good competition. Um, 
there's a few stipulations, you know, you can only be like a sponsor by a tackle shop or a tackle yeah. shop name. And so there's trying to keep it at this at a certain level. Um, but yeah, I just, I think I'm just thinking of the way this fishing association has run. Cause it's, it's the only teen knockout event I can think of like that. So yeah. Yeah. Good. I'm sure it will just, you know, um, it'll either establish itself or it'll fizzle out. Who knows? Yeah. We'll I mean, Steve's got a lot of big plans as well. I think he wants to do like a silvers one and mm. uh, like a, a naturals one. And I, I don't think, you know, if, if if he can see the first two or three years out, I think um, there'll be lots of competitions similar. Mm. And I think they'll be the ones to be in, to be honest. Do you? Yeah, I really do. Do you think they'll take over the fish holes though of this world? I don't think they'll take over the fishos, but they'll certainly have uh, Maver and Golden Reel looking over their shoulder, definitely. Yeah. Well, I guess moving on then to the, we've done past, we've done present, and where you've come up to now and future. What's the future hold? You just said that you're going to have a bit of a chill out um, with the family and, you know, well-deserved, um, sort your house out and whatnot. And then, like you say, Winterly kicks off this weekend. So what is it? Back back into that? Is it get the thermals out and, and try and get the team to the semis and to the finals again? Or what's the... What's yeah, the yeah it'll be um, a few weeks off. Try and squeeze my way back into the Winter League team, you know, which won't be easy with, with the anglers that are in the team at the moment. Mm. Um, but yeah, if not, it'll be... A bit of winter fishing, bit of silvers fishing, um, and then yeah, it'll be winter league time. Get up to decoy and start practicing for that. Um, yeah. yeah, that's that's sort of it up until January, February, I suppose. Brilliant. And tell us uh, finally about um, your, I guess, role with with Preston. So I know they've got a. They've got a new range of poles coming out soon, have they not? Have you had a waggle of those? Was you was you part of the um, consultancy team out as out of no? All that? To to be honest, there's definitely a new range of poles coming out. We've got a consultants day on it's a couple of weeks time coming mm-hmm. up. We'll we'll get together and we go to Woodlands View and we have a look at bits and pieces and have a chat and Brilliant. so. Um, I'll, I'll manage to get my hands on, on a pole then. Um, but to be honest, the guys put so much time and effort into into these poles and into all the tackle that they make. Um, you know, it's no mean feat what they get up to. Um, yeah. But yeah, we, we, we get a few bits and pieces sent out and, you know, we give our opinions and bits and pieces on it. And, you know, I mean, ultimately they've got the final say. Um, yeah. But it, it's funny, the fishing trade, because, you know, sometimes you come up with little ideas and that and you think, yeah, that's a brilliant idea. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like only 1% of the f- angling trade's going to buy it. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's, it, sometimes you have these brilliant products, but you can't quite make them work for the, for the numbers wise, you know, still got to think about what's going to sell to it to to everybody mass market mate that's exactly the that yeah. yeah 
you if you ever get a chance listen to one of these chats with uh, with Clive Branson the the old um, Welsh yeah, yeah. Welsh champion he tells some great stories and and if you just read up on him he just, he was banging on the door early 90s with pre-stretch line um, right. low diameter pre-stretch line he was laughed out of every shop he ever went in yeah, and yeah. it's not until you know, obviously, sort of ten, fifteen years. It's all we use, especially yeah. for commercial fishing. Yeah, it's like it's, the, it's, the, it's the, it was the future, and that's what he was saying. And he was getting laughed out of the place. And I imagine that probably Andy Finley and people like that when they first come up with those flatbed methods was yeah. went through a similar story. And look where we are today. So yeah, it's it's great that you're involved and you get to see some of these ideas uh, in advance. You and the team. What's it like working with people like Des Ship and? And Lee Kerry and people, you know, real sort of, uh, I guess they're full-time anglers, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. No, they're brilliant. You know, not only can you sort of bounce ideas off each other, but they mm. can teach you so much. Yeah. You know, even even again, they're sort of next level on on anything that I'll ever be, those boys. Did you see yourself like that? Because Harry Bignall was exactly the same. He couldn't, when you, you know... He's just one fisher mania, and people will have say that in that breath. They'll just cry. I've just drawn next to the fisher mania winner, and he doesn't see himself like that at all. He's they're just a bloke. I go to work and I fish at the weekend. Is that yeah. how you think about yourself? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I don't claim to be, you know, a superstar or or anything like that. I'm, as I say, I'm, a, I'm an average guy that can fish a bit. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. No, that's it's, it's interesting. Is it um, what makes a superstar then? If you don't think you are, when you've just won a hundred thousand pound match <laughs> and won fifty grand or whatever you got for Maver back then, what makes someone a superstar? For me, I sort of agree with where you're coming from because for me, a superstar is a world champion, and yeah, Alex Scott yeah. is, is a superstar. Um, Bob Nudd's a superstar, but that's just in my eyes because that's what I grew up with. Yeah, but for yeah. a young kid who, who's only maybe started in commercial fishing, and you know somebody like maybe an Andy Bennett is a superstar to them. Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. But um, as I say, when I first started out, it was it was all about trying to get into England teams and you know England trials and sort of that's that's the route that I wanted to go down. So I've always looked at those anglers, you know, your, your Steve Gardner, your Dead Ships and, you know, that I've always looked at them as the superstars because they are literally at the top, you know, they were at, they're at world championships and, you know, they're mixing with the best and coming home with medals and, you know, World you're level like, is is where yeah. I'd say a superstar's at. You're like me. That's I agree, and I think that's a a good way to end our big chat. Zach, it's been an absolute pleasure having a chat with you today. It's been great. Thank you so much for your time. Brilliant. Thanks for having me. Teddy Fisher Baits specialize in the manufacture of fishing ground bait and additives. We combine a forty year old proven fish catching recipe and the experience of our skilled team. Fishing is an adventure, and here at Teddy Fisher, we strive to make that adventure a success. Go to www.teddyfisher.co.uk to see our full range of baits. Well, welcome to the Tackle Shed, and let's dive straight in to the magazines and see what they've got on their tackle pages. And 
weirdly enough, at the minute, um, I don't think it's the time of the year that the manufacturers are making any launches. Uh, there doesn't seem to be a great deal in the weeklies or in the monthly magazines to really get stuck into. In fact, there's a little bit of stuff, but a regurgitation going on. Um, and as an example, if I just jump to Match Fishing's magazine, page 74 on New Gear, the Daiwa Tournament 800 seat box. Now, I was talking about that on one of our very first podcasts around February or March. Obviously, now they've landed into the UK and they're in the shops. But to put it back in the magazine, um, again, is is either been a secondary payment from Daiwa to promote them further or match fishing's running out of ideas in terms of new tackle. So I'm not sure. Um, but there is one thing that did take my eye here, I must admit. And um, we spoke with... Um, Nick Speed about the development of the Shimano Aero range and its launch earlier on this year. And I think when we spoke on the big chat, it was more around the thinking about the feeder side of things. Um, but here on page 75, the Aero X5 match float. Now, this to me, I can imagine is the perfect all round tool, natural waters, Probably commercial carpet will handle, I imagine. Stick float, waggler, you know, a perfect sort of um, all-rounder, if you like. 13 foot, well, it says, the rod will work best with light lines for three to five pound and casting floats from three AAA up to 20 grams, uh, 140 pound. I think back, and I imagine, I've not held this rod yet, but I can only just imagine top quality kit that is. First, probably something similar 10 years ago, you would have been talking the top of the range, perhaps a Daiwa or something like that, maybe a Drennan. You'd have been paying double that price, I'm sure. I can just envisage now how good the quality of this Aero X5 will be. So I will check that out. Uh, hopefully the guys in the Efficient Evolution will have one of these on show and I can, uh, can give it a bit of a waggle and see. Um, so not a lot of new stuff in um, match fishing, that is for sure. A couple of bits of pieces in there. But again, uh, dynamite baits, frenzied flavoured sweet corn hook baits. These have been in before, I am sure. So I just don't think it's the time of the year. However, on one of the uh, mags, I think it was last month's Improve Your Course Fishing, they covered, which makes sense, it was the highest summer, they covered margin poles. And I made an impulse buy, I must admit. I saw something online, there was a discount voucher, a discount code knocking about, voucher applied and... Long story short, I ended up walking away with a um, Preston's Monster Carp margin pole, 10 metres, for £160. Um, I think RRP on it is about 210 I think. I don't even need a margin pole. I've already got one. I've got my Beastmaster I've had for years. But it is a little bit short in some instances where you just need to get across maybe to a, another pallet um, or avoid some snags or just, just a little bit short. And this monster um, edge pole as a, a dolly butt and actually can go across to something in the region of, of sort of ten and a half meters anyway I, I probably bought it too late in in the year and you know when was I going to get a chance to use this but I did use it on uh, last Sunday last time I was out really put it through its paces small carp to be honest up to sort of four pound and I was fishing it just like a normal pole down the edge and then sort of two plus one in this instance and it performed really really good i could throw it around i wasn't worried about it breaking um i wasn't nervous about scratching it doesn't matter um there's an element of care there of course but the only thing that really surprised me is just how long the top kits are they are freakishly long and to use your puller kit effectively bear in mind if you 
It's a margin pole. You're going to be fishing down the margins. They tend to be less than sort of three foot in depth. So you're going to be using quite short rigs. So when you're baiting up again, you find that you've got, you know, 70 centimetres of pole waggling around behind you as you've got your rig in your other hand and, and baiting up. So it's a little bit strange. It does take some getting used to. And I'm not too sure to the logic behind it because obviously the more elastic, the more stretch. And anyway, I, I strung mine up with a 14 to 16 hollow, um, a keep nets direct hollow, which is the black version. And it was perfect for these small fish, but with obviously loads of power. If I was talking anything big, I'd say biggest fish is probably four to five pound. Um, but yeah, uh, for the for the price, and you know, I'd happily pay the two hundred and ten pound. Never thought about Preston's poles before. You know, I've always been very much sort of Daiwa, a tricast Shimano, I've had two Shimano poles in the past as well. So yeah, I, you know. The, Preston did what it needed to do, and I'm, I'm quite happy with that as a as a purchase. Um, so yes, that was that was my slight tangent. Another tangent in terms of bait um, from my side as well, and you know, I shame, shamelessly will plug this, but um, I do do some work with Teddy Fisher, our um, sponsors of this show, uh, Teddy Fisher Baits, based there in Stoke, and myself and and fellow sort of brand advocate, if you like, Barry Barry Armson, we briefed in um, some time ago what we believe would be um, an all-round ground bait for, for commercials. And it was a mixture of existing um, baits that they use, but also with the, the development of some new ideas and some new pellets that they'd, they'd brought in from Europe. So anyway, lots of testing, lots of mixing and crunching away. And we've come up with what I've called the rival range. And uh, that will be launched very soon as well. So keep your eye out for that. I think uh, some people might be pleasantly surprised. The idea behind the name is that we believe it will rival some of those big, big manufacturers. Um, it's going to be dark, natural, red and green versions. And it's like a sort of like a sweet fish meal, I guess. But we think we'll work year round um, and for many different species of fish, mainly on commercials, but I'm pretty sure they'll work on naturals as well. So that's a new bait from Teddy Fisher that will come out soon. Uh, www.teddyfisher.co.uk. And um, into improve your course fishing, let me scan forward. Nice prize this month, actually, which is worth promoting. You can win Adrian Whittle's uh, feeder tackle that he's used, worth over a £1,000. So that includes a Daiwa SLR rod, very nice piece of kit, TDR reels, some braid, and, and loads of other bits and pieces in the, in the Advantage bait range as well. So if you do get in preview course fishing, enter that, because that is uh, a great prize. But into the tackle section, I should have had this ready, shouldn't I? But we have got barbel rods. Um, we've got a bit of rain now onto the rivers, which is great. As we go into autumn, those of you that like getting out on the river, as I do, for a little session, trying to sneak a barbel in, you can't believe the value on some of these rods. Now, I don't think you can go wrong probably with the Fox range, the EOS Specialist Barbel, 55 to £60. Pound. Um, they come at sort of one and three quarter test. If you want something a bit bulkier, there's a two and a quarter pound test curve rod as well. But for a, you know, bit of an idiot proof purchase you can't go wrong i've got quorum barbel rods 50 quid fantastic never let me down but this goes right through the card and, and i can't believe that you can get a pretty much a top quality barbel rod for less than 80 quid which is the the title of these reviews um shakespeare have got a new one as well 49 to 53 sonic 50 pound Daiwa's Black Widow, 
just brilliant so if you're thinking of getting out onto the rivers autumn's a great time we've got color going in you know trundling some meat down a swim over some hemp or you know putting in some ground bait as well now's the time uh certainly from now up to to sort of um if we get any snow and definitely treat yourself you can get a good setup a nice simple free spool running reel for 25 30 quid um combined with one of these sort of 50, 60 pound barbell rods and you're good to go. You're more than capable of landing um, double figure fish. Um, so that's in Improve Your Course Fishing magazine. And onto the Angling Times. This week's really good because um, it's got this autumn theme, a bit like the barbell I just discussed there, but it's talking about roach. And what you'll find, of course, as we head into autumn, into winter, a lot of roach on natural waterways will start heading into town centres, uh, finding a little bit of warmth. And they do tend to have a bit of a chew, a little bit of colour into the water as well. So there's a whole section tackle guide here on, on catching bags of roach this autumn. Um, one thing I quite like is a little bit of focus on uh, fluorocarbon. Fluorocarbon is a great hook length material from, from now through to probably sort of March. Um, it talks about Drennan Suplex, which is the one that I use as well. Wagon Mag is a technique as well. It's something that I really enjoy. So there's a couple of waggler rods in here, whether it be a relatively affordable um, Shimano Aero, we just discussed, but the X1 version coming at £60, or an Acolyte, which is sort of 160 talks about Maggot Feeder as well. It's just a nice little thought provoker um ground bait wise of course census roach from the nine roach some good cans of cooked hemp so everything that you need to to target roach for this autumn is covered um in this angling times piece and, and i like that that they focus on you know a specific species um, as we move forward uh one thing they'll point out we talk about tried and tested the, the preston uh, monster margin pole abu Garcia 507 closed face reel and it says closed face reels aren't something you see in use much these days we have no reason to see why not blah 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 blah. well i've had all the old school ones i've got some really old abus back in the day that i used to use i like using a closed face reel on the river anyway i bought this 507 this year to replace one of my old ones that was getting a bit tired and it's good but it's not a patch on the old stuff. That is for sure. Simplicity on the old one was key. The benefit of this is that because I'm so used to using a drag and a clutch for commercial fishing, I wanted that function on a closed face where I didn't want to play fish on backwind. And on this reel, it does have a, a clutch on the side um, of the handle. So I, I do like that. Um, but I've not had any success with big fish just yet i've just found it it's smooth it's slick it's quick enough for for stick fork fishing and waggle fishing but it's it's still maybe it's in my mind but it doesn't feel as as uh as good as using the old ones so yeah anyway check out the uh the latest section there uh, this week's angling times about targeting roach um and various bits of tackle to use for this autumn so there we go that is another episode over and done with and a massive thanks uh, to zach brown for being my special guest it's really enjoyable talking to him so there we go thanks for listening and tight lines